Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here again today with our friend Dick Foth. So excited to have him back on the podcast. And then we're going to jump into our interview with Nick Batato and just had a great time with Nick. Dick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. And I'm I'm excited that you're connecting with Nick Fatato, my old boss friend. That that'll be great fun. Do you, do you know him well? Oh yes. You know, we haven't spent years together, but we've spent good times together. Good deal. And anybody who knows the best Italian restaurants on the north end of Boston, you gotta <laughs> listen, you know. <laughs> very, very true. Very, very true. Dick, got two questions for you today that listeners sent in. The first one is how have you found joy in different seasons of life and ministry? You know, that's really a terrific question in, in, in this regard. The, the older one gets, I think this is true. You look back and you say there are specific seasons, whether it's your first 10 years or those teen years or the 20, whatever it is. And it has to do with both people and places. It's interesting that in Ecclesiastes third chapter, it talks about there's a time and a season for everything. And it's this listing, this grocery list, if you will, perhaps even a litany of times and places that you can expect it. Okay, so uh, the question is, how have you found joy in the different seasons of life in ministry? So for me, I, I find joy in different Hmm. So if if it's a new place, it's a, if it's a new season, I see it as kind of a a new learning moment, a a um, something to explore. So if one finds joy in learning and exploration, then each season brings that. I find joy in challenge. Hmm. If it's not, if it's something where I feel a bit uncomfortable. For whatever reason, I don't know if this is personality or what, you know, I'm a little off, but I find joy in challenge because it, I think in places of challenge where we know we don't have it together, hmm. I think we're forced to trust more. Oh, we yeah. don't have to trust, but it's good. The, it's good. The other idea about never stopping learning uh, is um, something that can be a cliche along the line when I was a young church planter near the University of Illinois back in the 60s and 70s, I felt like the Lord showed me that I can learn something from anybody. Hmm. So whatever the season is, whoever the Lord puts into that space, whoever I bump into, run into, if I ask the right kinds of questions, I can. So I find joy. Good, good word. Good word. Second uh, question they have for you is, how have you learned to recognize and discover joy in different seasons of life? Isn't isn't that the same question? <laughs> it sounds like the same question. And like I don't know why I put question. it. I don't know why I put it in there twice. Anyway, I, I can try to come up with a different answer. No, that's the same question. Let's move on. I'll I'll edit that one out there. Edit okay. this part out there, and we'll go on to the go on to the next one. Jeez, uh, that's an that's an ed, edit on my part. So anyway, glad that there's editing in this. So second question, Dick, for you. I have you the listener sent in. How have you found balance in leading people and developing and maintaining friendships? with those people and others. 
you know what's what's interesting whenever i think of balance i tend to think of tension hmm. and by that i mean uh, balance comes when you have two things that are sort of uh, seen as opposites sure uh, i i don't see leading people and developing friendships as opposites i see one as foundational to the other hmm. i get we we do this little thing with called Fothin friends a few times a year where maybe a handful of guys come out and we hang out in the rocky mountains and you know do stuff sure. and and oftentimes the question is if they're younger pastors for example or teachers they will ask the question how do you balance marriage if they're married how do you balance marriage and ministry Okay. Or deal with the tension between marriage and ministry, and I say, you, over the years, I've come to understand that that if it if it doesn't work in my marriage, it's not going to work in what we call vocational ministry. Hmm. So, so the first line of ministry is marriage. Yeah, if you're married again, and, sure. and that friendship is the foundation. And I think friendship is the goal. And you would okay. expect me to say this, I'm sure, for those who listen for a while. Now, some friendships have chemistry. You just connect with people. But when it comes to uh, the quality of the friendship, I have found, and this is going to sound weird, I think, I have found that I tend to be friends with people who pursue me. Hmm. Uh, I have a friend who had sort of a rhythm. He worked in Washington, D.C. for years, had a rhythm where he would take somebody under his wing for a couple of years to, quote, disciple them or shape, help shape how they think or help them know what's important. And then he would stop. And I said, why do you stop? And his comment was something to that effect. I want to see, see if they'll pursue. Okay. I've stepped into their lives. I want to see if it's reciprocal. So when the, 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 the challenge with leadership oftentimes is that we think we can't be friends because if it should ever, if we ever need to make a change, if the organizational structure adjusts and I've got to let them go or whatever, sure. whatever the language is, that that will be harder. Hmm. But if life is a series of seasons, then a season of being friends and being in the same group organization, yeah. that's a plus. Yeah. Even if we're not in the same organization, we can still be friends. So yeah. friends yeah. is fun. You know, uh, whatever the role is, is transitory. Yeah, no, that's good. And uh, a challenging, as I think you hit it on there at the end, you hit on the end there that the idea of not wanting to have friendships because if you have to make a change, but recognizing that weaving that into the first questions of season of life and ministry and recognizing, recognizing that there are different seasons and, uh, and God leads us in all of those. Well, and you, and you see this, you'll, you'll see it in MKs yeah. and you'll see it in military uh, dependents. Yeah. They'll say, you know, I move every two years, so I don't want to make friends. Sure. And I would say, if you're moving every two years, you need to make a friend yeah. each time. Just do that. Yeah. Get one. You don't have yeah. to have 12, but get one. Yeah. 
And uh, it can happen for sure. Dick, it's always gold to spend some time with you. Thanks so much again for being with us today on Back Channel with Foth. We're going to go ahead and jump into an interview with Nick. Uh, as I've said, Dick Foth knows everyone. Everyone knows Dick Foth and not surprised that you know Nick. But uh, we're going to jump into our interview with him. Only, only when there's Italian food. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with a new friend of the podcast, Nick Fatato. Nick, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thank you, Aaron. It's a joy to be with you today. Nick, you and I got to meet each other through a friend, Mike Messner at Brackenhurst at the beginning of the start of the new year. And I'm really enjoyed um, getting to talk and share with your wife and you. And uh, yeah, I just felt walked away with my wife and I both said, I think we have a kindred spirit with those folks. And um, it was just a great time. But Nick, we got to spend some time together. For those who didn't um, get to spend time with you, would you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself and the things that are important to you? Great. Yeah. I, um, just a quick sketch of life. I grew up, uh, as a Baptist preacher's kid and, uh, then I headed off to college and was involved with Chi Alpha. Uh, I really spent the first 18 years of my ministry life on college and university campuses in Michigan and in the Boston area, and then led a church in downtown Boston for about a decade and then began to work Took an assignment at our network, which is in Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, in the area of uh, leadership development, the you know the director of minister development. And then most recently, about three years ago, was elected as the superintendent, which means I oversee the work of uh, the Assemblies of God in, in this network. And we're uh, not a huge network, but we've got about 550 ministers and 190 churches And I put it this way, I feel I have a one-sentence job description, and that is stewarding the call of God on men and women's life. So wow. that's how's that for a nutshell? Well, they're stewarding the call call of life. Can you just share more about that? Yeah, I, you know, in in as as you know, leaders, church leaders, missionaries, we we this is a great jumping off point. We think about this idea of call that that throughout the scriptures. People are identified uh, to do certain roles, and and then Jesus identifies people. And and we use this language of call for about everything. I'm called to a church. I'm called to a country. I'm called to leave a country. I'm called to marry a person. I'm called. I'm called. I'm called. And so about, about two years ago, I was preparing for our ordination service. And I begin to wrestle with Aaron the idea of of call, and and I don't know. I'm sure that I'm the only one, but I probably used the term call, uh, and probably had to retract it a little bit. Like I'm called, and this is what I'm going to do, and then <laughs> and then maybe my governing body didn't allow me to go do that. Yeah. Or uh, and so I started to wrestle with, and I came away honestly thinking, what what is what is call? What is ordination? Because that's kind of my job is I pray for people for ordination. And I and I came to one spot, and that was first and second Timothy. And I looked and I saw that clearly Timothy, uh, there's a moment where they lay hands on him and say, God's, God has called you to do something. 
But then he gets an assignment from Paul, and then it's really hard. It's really hard. He's he's sick. There's family dysfunction. He has to deal with old cranky people. He has to deal with weird <laughs> doctrine. It is just a bad, stinking assignment. And so then I separated this. I said, so there's call, but then there's assignment. Mm. You have an assignment. I would guess, Aaron, we've only had one brief conversation, but you probably had many assignments in your life. For sure. But your call has remained the same. Yeah. But the last thing I'll say on this point, because it kind of frames probably our conversation for the next few minutes, sure. is what did what did Paul say to Timothy when his assignment got really hard? Because what I've learned is the call is easy. The assignments... <laughs> The assignments are hard. Yeah. What have, what do we do when the assignments hard? Paul said, do you remember when they laid hands on you? Mm. And I think that's what ordination is, that there's a moment for ministry leaders where people outside of you recognize God's call on your life. Yeah. And when it's hard, you got to go back and say, those people yeah. saw something in me that affirmed what God is doing. Yeah, and so anyway, I I think my job is to uh, to care for the call and to help people navigate the assignments yeah. and remember the call. So yeah, it's a long answer to your no. question, but that's yeah. my thoughts. You can Excellent. jump in anyway. <laughs> no, no, no. So so Nick, who are some of those people in your life that you talked about recognize that call in your life and were instrumental? And then then we'll after this, we'll then we'll talk about how you're playing that out in other people's lives. But who, who spoke into your life and affirmed that calling in you? You know, I, I have a friend who, uh, he says a very radical statement. He said, God will more often speak to you through your friends mm. than the scriptures. Mm. And now that sounds like heresy. I understand that. And <laughs> some people may turn off the podcast at this moment. But let me say this. Uh, if I look at a timeline of my life, I can point to different people who spoke into my life and it changed the trajectory of my life. Now, I still need to affirm that with scripture. I still need the Holy Spirit to affirm that. But there are people that speak into our life at key moments. For me, I was a young Chi Alpha pastor, didn't care about denominational structures, didn't care about denominations, didn't care about anything but doing, reaching students to change the world. Yeah. And there was a minister who walked up to me, one of our leaders in, in Michigan, uh, Wayne Benson, which many people may know on this call. And he looked at me and he said, Nick, I see something in you that you don't see in yourself. Hmm. And uh, he put his arm around me. He spoke into me. He invited me to meet with him on a regular basis. And honestly, Aaron, I'm not, I'm sure I wouldn't be in the Assemblies of God, but I don't know if I'd be in ministry Hmm. If he hadn't looked at me and saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Hmm. And I think that there are, you know, other trajectory points where um, I can remember a, another person who I was grappling with what to do, what assignment to take. The assignment I was at was really hard. And he just looked at me and said, the assignment is really hard, but who else is going to do it? And hmm. that sentence changed the trajectory of my life. Wow. And so I've learned that there are moments in our lives that, and especially as leaders, as we care for people, if we can see, we, we can, we can speak moment in a moment, what can change the trajectory. And it's not, 
you know, I think that life is made up of moments and minutes, and the moments are way more important than the minutes. Wow, that's so, good word. Anyway, I'll stop. Good, no, good word. So, and then knowing that um, you mentioned uh, Wayne Benson speaking into your life, how do you, when you're speaking into other people's lives, is there is it the Holy Spirit that guides and directs you, or how do you, and how do you find the courage? Because I think, at least for me, and maybe some of the listening in, sometimes you feel the Holy Spirit saying, "Hey." But you you hesitate in the courage part of it. Does that make, is that a fair question? Sure. Of course, of course. Yeah, I I you know in different roles of leadership, our words weigh more. Hmm. Um, I realize right now because I'm an elected official in my area, my words weigh more than they did before I was. Yeah, and when I'm not they aren't going to weigh as much. And so I need to be a steward of that and be really careful. You know, what's funny to me, Aaron, is I'll say something to somebody and they won't say, guess what Nick told me? Hmm. They'll say, "What? guess what the Southern New England district told me? <laughs> and so that's an illustration that, yeah. you know, I think that whether you're an area director, a regional director, maybe you're a movement leader, maybe you're a church planting director, whatever whatever that is, your where your words weigh more and when you speak into people you have to you have to steward it really carefully. And that circles back to your point. I I need the wisdom of God and the spirit of God to steward my influence. Um where it goes bad and we've all seen it go bad and I'm sure I've been guilty of it going bad is when I respond out of a quick emotion mm. or a lack of listening um, when I'm not sure or, or quickly, you know, I, I, I've learned that if you go fast, two things happen. You either miss something or you trip. <laughs> but but in these cases where we have a moment where somebody's looked, somebody just and you've you've had this happen, Aaron. Somebody just looked and said, Man, I need you to to give me wisdom, or I need you to help me and give me direction. Or I need, I'm stuck and I'm not sure. Can you speak into my life? In those moments. I would say to every every missional leader, at those moments we pause and say, God, let me speak, let me speak carefully. Let me speak on your behalf. That's the work of the Spirit in yeah. me. And then, you know, I, I think and I'm I'm uh, I'm a, a, a year or two older than you. <laughs> I'm in my mid-60s. And you know what? I I realize that um I can say something in a sentence that probably took me about an hour or two when I was in my thirties. Hmm. And so when I speak something into my life, into someone's life, I, I need to be so cautious to, to make sure it lands in a soft and, and hearing place. So yeah, that's good. That's, good, that's how good, good word. So backtracking a little bit, how does a son of a Baptist preacher, I think you said, end up in the Assemblies of God working with Chi Alpha? Is there, there has to be a story there. Do you would you mind sharing that with us? Sure. No, that's a that's a great story. I I uh, actually my early in my life there was tragedy. My dad was a pastor and he was uh he was actually murdered when I was eleven years old. He was on a ministry task and um it just a situation went bad, was jumped and robbed and, and killed. 
And I tell you, as an 11 year old, you know, that was a rattling thing. My whole family went into crisis as a result of that. However, um, you know, for me, that also placed, I'm the youngest in my family. The rest of my family kind of went into chaos after that moment. It was just mm. so, it was just so um, violent and, and disturbing. They all eventually came around maybe a decade later. But for me, I had to grow up really fast and I had to trust God. And there was a depth that happened in my heart that People say, well, did you get mad at God? Did you question God? And I think those are those things are okay. God's big enough. Yeah. But for me, it was, God, I, I have nothing else to trust. My full trust is in you. And that built a certain calm in my life, Aaron. And so I didn't go to college right after high school. I took a year. Now they call it a gap year. I yeah. would call it get your act together year and, and seek God, you know, and I really sought God. And in the middle of that, uh, it was, you know, toward, it was in the Jesus movement. It was in the seventies. And, and, um, I came across some people that shared with me about the power of the spirit and, and, uh, it transformed my life. I experienced a baptism of the spirit and, and I went back and told my Baptist friends and they, um, they told me it didn't happen to me. And, told me I was welcome to not not speak about that any longer. And yeah, the good news is that eventually about seven or eight years later, they invited me back and I spoke at their conference and it was a great, great thing. But that was an kind of encounter, I think, because some of some folks listening to this may have the same experience. I grew up in a church. I've always known God. I have hmm. no memory of not knowing God. So there's two things as a result of that. One, every sin I've ever committed has been with the knowledge of God. So I love communion. <laughs> I love <laughs> the cross. But secondly, I never had a great story to tell. And, you know, I was just, well, I've always loved God and I've messed up here and there. But when I had this experience, this transformative experience of the baptism of the Spirit, it was a marker for me. And it, I saw everything differently. And then the first home I found was on a college campus with a Chi Alpha. I didn't know what the Assemblies of God were, but eventually I found out. And it's, be, it's been a movement that has been a great, great gift to me yeah. as I've navigated the work of the Spirit and ministry together. So yeah. significant moment when I was 18 years old. Wow. Happened to be found on a campus. Happened to be found by the AG, and they've been a good guiding friend to me. So you shared um, about the, this with your father dying tragically. And you, earlier you talked about assignments and going through difficult assignments. Mm -hmm. Do you think walking through that period of your life and drawing closer to God through that allows you to encourage other when they're walking through a difficult time sure. and a difficult assignment? And you have any encouraging words maybe for somebody listening in to say, you know what, I'm I'm in that place where my assignment is like one of the ones you talked. Call remains the same, but the assignment right now is just just not what I thought, and um, it, it's it's hard. You know, I I think the assignment's always hard because all the important things are really hard. That's a good word. And you know, we we proclaim a Christianity that. Um, Oftentimes we frame it like you come and your life will be sweet and unencumbered. And um, 
You know, I, I go back to nobody ever uses John the Baptist as an illustration of why you should become a Christ follower. Hmm. I mean, who's going to come to that invitation? Come and follow Jesus and you might lose your head. Wow. You know, my dad that night, he was going to do a Christian broadcast and there were some kids who had just gotten out of jail um, and he went to help them. Hmm. And it turned bad. It became a robbery. Hmm. You know, I, I think he followed God's assignment. Yeah. Now that might mess with some people's theology, but I would guess there's friends uh, on this call or on this podcast that, you know, have seen where the assignment has taken people and, and lost their lives. Does that mean it wasn't God's assignment? Hmm. Um, I think God's assignment is saying yes and doing what he asks us to do, say what he has to say. And, you know, I like to say it this way. We preach the gospel, we die and we're forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, so I, I, uh, and, and again, there's others, honestly, Aaron, there's other assignments that are just so joy filled and I'm, mm. I'm grateful for those. Yeah. But I also, I know that I know the carnage of the confusion of, of the assignment versus the call of God. And, and the call of God can be a burden and a weight if we, cause here's what happens when the assignment gets hard, you know what you do? You question the call. Hmm. You don't question the assignment. You question the call. I think it's okay to have a bad assignment and switch to a different one. Yeah. I, if the spirit leads and good counsel lead, So for me, I, I would say my dad followed God's assignment. Um, and I think I'm following God's assignment. And and both of us were called. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. So you talked about the carnage of that. Is it could you, you unpack that a little bit more? You talk sure. you, when it when it comes to that, the word carnage jumped out to me. Yeah. Would you yeah, unpack you know, that a little bit more for us? and you know, in my role, Aaron, um, I've interviewed dozens and dozens, probably hundreds of people for, uh, for a credential uh, to become an ordained sure. minister. And often it's that language, you know, I've, God's called me, God's called me to go to this country. God's called me to go to this city. God's called me to plant this church. God's called me to start this operation. And then when that goes bad, either either marriage breaks um there's there's um conflict with leadership maybe our children the demands of our children pull us in a different direction the carnage that can happen is we begin to question whether we can hear from god mm. or we begin to question whether god changed his mind or whether god is just an evil tyrant that was destroying my marriage my family in my health. Wow. All three of those, I, I would characterize as carnage sure. of a view of call and mixing it up with assignment. Does that help a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it does. And so how did you, if somebody isn't kind of in that cycle that listening into this podcast, yeah. um, how do you, how do you walk with them? Um, I, don't, I don't think there's 
when they're maybe asking some of those questions that you yeah. just, those three questions you just mentioned there. Absolutely. So I, I, one of my favorite questions, uh, and, and again, my work right now in this season is with ministers. So in a credential, in a credential interview, which is our process in the assemblies of God of, of moving people toward an ordination. And I'll often say, so what are you going to do when you're, when you're disappointed, when you're depressed, when you're confused, um, what are you going to do? Cause you need to make a plan. Cause that's going to happen mm. to every one of us. And usually yeah. they're 20 something and they're like, what do you mean? I'll be <laughs> fine. I'll, I'll just, I'll just trust God. I'll, yeah. I'll quote scriptures to the devil. I'll speak in tongues. And I said, well, those are all really good things. But then I'll say to them, oh, let me tell you what my plan is. My plan is friends. And I, I, when I look at the trajectory of my life, you know, I know that this role of friendship, people who know you, and here's my definition, people who know you well enough that no matter what isolated moment you're in, they don't then judge your whole life by that. They see it wow. as a season. Wow. They're trusted. And the words of a friend are encouraging. And I'll, I'll give just one illustration. Just, just recently, you know, I've looked at the life of David, and the one, one of the many things I've looked in the life of David is, is you know, his relationship with Jonathan. And I've looked at that for my whole life, Aaron. But recently, I was, I was reading a, a Eugene Peterson book, and he, he, he made a statement. The name of the book is Leap Over a Wall. And he made a statement that perhaps Jonathan's relationship with David tethered him to his assignment as mm. the king. That if it were not for that, because Jonathan comes into David's life, and then there's these six attempts on David's life by Saul. And Jonathan's kind of out of the picture. Yeah. But there's this deep relationship that probably did two things. It protected the heart of David from, from the evil that Saul was, Saul was inflicting on him. Yeah. And it probably protected him from responding to that evil as a terrible, terrible tyrant. Now, again, David was a bit of a scoundrel and didn't have it right all the time. Okay. Sure. So we, we, we all know that. <laughs> but... But it also probably tethered him to that anointing, you know, instead of just going back and being a shepherd saying, I don't need to do this. Mm. And there are, there are people in my life, when I've hit those moments, that have tethered me to the call of God and to the current assignment of God. Why? Because they know me, and in a moment they can speak into my life. And so I, I approach, to, to answer question directly is I encounter people. My first question is who knows your life? Hmm. Who's walked with you? Who, and I, you know, and, and if I need to play that role for a season of saying, okay, I, at this point, I don't care about you being a successful missionary or a successful pastor. I care about your relationship with Jesus. Sure. And I care about your relationship with your spouse and your children. And we may get back to that other ministry stuff later. Um, but I, and, as unclinical and as unbrilliant as it sounds, I think friends are the answer in our most difficult moment. Wow. wow. And so when you're looking for a friend, Nick, what do you, what do you look for? You know, I'm, I, uh, I was reading this book about the science of perfect timing okay. and, 
one of the rattling things about that was about uh, the role of friendships in terms of long-term friends. Okay. Um, right now, you know, I'm I'm at the place where I'm probably not going to have new thirty-year friendships. Sure. Uh, just because you know, I mean, I might. I mean, maybe yeah. I'll make it to ninety-five. <laughs> it could be awesome, but the chances. That that's narrowing, right? Yeah, for sure. And so I begin to look at, I begin to look at what is, you know, what are those friendships that need to be nurtured? Hmm. And um, a mentor of mine, uh, he has categories. This this helped me enormously. I think it answers your question because this is the model for me. He says there are, there's your family, which is a highest priority. And then there's what he would call capital F friends. And there's only the capability of having three or four of those. Sure. And those are the people that you go deep with, yeah. that you're vulnerable with, and it's it's a mutual interaction. And then you have, you know, uh, lowercase or small F friends, which is a wider circle. You may have dozens and dozens. You know, I always joke, you know, I'll, I'll say the phrase, oh, my friend. Uh, I can't think of his name. What what was his name? <laughs> uh, but and then and then you have your tribe. You know, for me, sure. it's the Assemblies of God. It could be yeah. you know any variety of mission mission movements or, or orgs that you're part of. But we have a tribe, and then we have you know friends then in you know proximity, neighbors, etc. And so. So Gordon really challenged me to once a year make a make a sheet of paper and fill in names in all those areas. Hmm. That's and, good. Um, what it helped me to do was make sure I was putting my best energy and my best investment in the most significant ones, which would hmm. be my family and those capital F sure. friends who are going to be with me for life. Yeah. What are they? What are they? What are their characteristics? Um, you know, I think consistency. Yeah, that doesn't sound very exciting, but when I say, "Hey, you know, Aaron, I, you know, I just need can we connect once a sure. month?" And you know, if we only and then we don't connect for six months, you know, we're... instantly walk with me and allow me to walk with them. Yeah. is a high value for a friend someone who is who is honest someone who i know brings uh a characteristic of um of of kind heartedness and you yeah. know willing to willing to speak into my life, care about my job or my role or my influence uh, they're going to speak into my life and yeah. and they're going to walk and we're going to laugh and we're going to enjoy good food and we're going to enjoy good art and yeah. we're going to enjoy good prayer yeah. Um, those are treasures, but honestly, you're talking about a very small group of people. And, um, but I think if you think of it this way, those are the people that, um, will be with you in thick and thin. And yeah. those are people be, you know, beside your grave if you go yeah. before them. Yeah. So it's a good word. You know, that's, I think the more and more, you know, we've been overseas probably 20, 21, 22 years now. Uh, it changes anywhere between 20 and 22. I need to think about it. Um, but what the, I think the difference I've seen in the last, probably the last 10 years is this idea of loneliness. And mm. um, more and more um, you hear people that will verbalize that they're lonely. 
Um, and, and probably 10, you know, when I first got into missions, I didn't hear people just verbalize, Hey, I'm lonely and specifically not men, but probably in the last six months, I've had five or six, you know, men say I'm lonely. And, um, mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the, the things that you talked about there, that consistency, you know, that sound, that's the reality, the reality of they don't have somebody consistent in their life. They might have somebody pop in and pop out, but that consistent relationship is not there. And so, yeah, that's a, that was a very, I uh, really appreciated your, your wisdom and insight on that very, very much. So mm-hmm. Nick in your role, um, as a leader, um, we, I'm kind of circling back. I keep circling back to this idea of, uh, call and assignment. Mm-hmm. When someone comes, comes to you and says the, the assignments not went the way and they, they start, you know, the arrows start coming your way about the assignment. Um, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate, uh, when they're, when that frustration is coming out at Nick, as you said, speaking for the, for the network sure. or the district, how do you navigate that? And, um, so it doesn't become totally personal. Sure. So when, when qualifier, you know, I I've really been wrestling with this call and assignment and I would yeah. welcome those, those who maybe listen and say, that's just heresy. Feel free to reach out to me. Cause I, I'm a learner. It's just, just how I'm wrestling with this. Yeah, with no, it's, friends. It's, good. it's good. And, and it's really helped me. So I, I think that on the, on the call side, that's a, that's a purely God thing. In fact, when I'm, I keep, sorry to keep going back to this, but when I do an interview, I always say, you know, we don't call people and we don't ordain people. We just recognize what God has done. Hmm. So call is clearly a pure act of God. And, And many of us will just, we can, we can reference the story. Sometimes we can reference the moment. Yeah. Assignment involves a lot of other things. It still involves the work of God. It still involves the spirit of God, but it often then involves um, maybe a lead pastor, yeah. maybe a district superintendent, maybe yeah. an area director, yeah. maybe an executive director, right. maybe an org leader. And and then it becomes, because that's why I say call is, call is easy because this is this invisible God. <laughs> Who just says that my hand is on you? Yeah. But then you have to look across the desk at me, and I'm saying, "Well, no, you you can't plant that church at mm. this time in that town." Mm. And they say, "But God called me." And I said, "Well, God may have called you to be an extender of His kingdom, but right now." <laughs> and so it becomes very personal. You you you're exactly right. You nail it. It becomes personal. And there's two or three things that are at play in that moment that I would ask all of us, including myself, because I, you know, I submit to leaders as well, as we all do, is that um, leaders oftentimes have information that you don't have. Hmm. And sometimes they can't tell you because of confidentiality and they have to make a decision. And there's no way to separate that from feeling unfair. It just feels unfair. Um, I think the second thing is, is that, you know, we, we were all seeking God together. I mm. mean, part of the community, a spiritual community is how do we hear God's voice? I really guard something in my conversations. Like you're, you're gonna, I, I can't even identify a point where I'm going to say, Aaron, this is what God told me for mm. your life. Mm. Um, 
I would just nuance, and here's why I nuance it. I nuance is this is what I sense or I feel or I yeah. think God is saying. Okay. What do you think? What mm. that does is, is it, it invites engagement. It invites, mm. you know, let's 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 see if this is God. Yeah. If it's a directive, and there are some times, and you know, you know. There are roles that I have to do when when I have to remove a person from ministry. Sure. Yeah. And at that point, it's it's a triage moment. I also have to care for the church of Jesus Christ. Sure. And sometimes to protect the church, uh, I have to make decisions with a, a, a minister, a, a minister. And and it's the anger level, you know, the 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 um you know, uh, this visceral sure. attack is, is, is a reality, but you know what? I try to say, you know, God help me, help me to help me to do what Jesus would like me to do here. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to get hard about it. And I, you know, I think the thing I would say to you when I'm dealing with anyone that is not happy about how I am affecting their assignment, hmm. um, that I will be tender and, hmm. uh, and I will, I'll be, I won't compromise, but I'll be tender. Um, And that, for some of us, for for me, I won't even put a some of us, for me, because you may have, you know, all of the folks listening probably never make the mistakes I have made. (laughs) I think we all make very unique, (laughs) unique, uh, uh, very common, the mistakes are common amongst men and leaders. Yeah, but I I just, I just don't want to mix up you know, my pride, my ego, my position, sure. my impact on what God is doing, if it was in your life, and what God is doing in your life, either correcting you or or, yeah. or, or shaping you or because if it, because then it, then it becomes a, you know, a disqualifier. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this one framework I think that will help describe my position is, is there's one of two things we can do with ministers and colleagues and team members and and that would include you know here and around the world it's i can either disqualify a leader hmm. or i can develop them wow and my position i could disqualify i i can sign a piece of paper and disqualify you as a, an assembly of god minister or i can develop and i always want to go here until i have no possible choice but to disqualify hmm. And I always approach, and I think of it this way, if something can be untied instead of cutting, spend mm. the time untying. That's good. It's a good word. And if you're gonna if you're gonna develop someone, you're gonna have to trust them. And as soon as you trust people, they're gonna make mistakes. And so I must, I must recognize this is how they're developing. Ministry is only learned in, in real time. And I'll share this one illustration and I'll flip it back if you want to drill down on any yeah. of it. But ministry is only learned. And, and I was watching a, a public television show once about emergency room doctors in there as they were training. And, uh, and, it was, you know, it's in that, you know, uh, transition time and they're doing these 24 hours and they looked at this one exhausted emergency room intern is what he was. And, uh, and he said something I will never forget. He said, today we made mistakes, people died and there's no other way to learn emergency room medicine. Wow. 
And it was a horrible statement. Yeah. But when I think about ministry, ministry cannot be learned in a textbook. It cannot be mm-hmm. learned uh, distance from face to face with people. And it cannot be learned unless we take risks. The unfortunate thing is when we make mistake, it means someone leaves ministry or someone mm-hmm. leaves our church or someone turns away from following Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so how do I live in that tension? I don't run to you know, disqualify every time. Yeah. I yeah. need to say this was wrong. This was a failure, but this, can, this is how we learn. We can get past that and I'll walk with you. Yeah. Obviously, I feel strong about that position. No, so for sure. No, it's, <laughs> it's, and so how, how do you, in, in, in your influence, um, mm-hmm. how do you create an environment where people feel safe? Um, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about moral mistakes. I'm not sure, talking about sure. those type things, but mm-hmm. to, tr- to try something new or something d- different, a different sure. approach. How do you create an environment where people feel safe and they know that you, that, that you're there going to see this as developing rather than, um, yeah. I'm going to disqualify you and, and, and yeah. move out. Does, is that, mm-hmm. is that a fair question? Of course. Of course. I, I, I think it's, it's creating a culture where, um, where there's honesty and vulnerability. Hmm. Uh, secondly, is it, it's really hard in our, in my uh, Pentecostal movement, where we tend to reinforce our ideas with this is God's idea, hmm. and then it and then it fails. It's very difficult to deconstruct it and learn from it because we're so embarrassed or we're so angry or we have to just say we we just missed god yeah and so i think that it's it's important to create a culture where people can fail <laughs> that mm-hmm. sounds so unfaith filled mm-hmm. i know that but what i mean by that is the the work that we do of making disciples reaching people far from god and making disciples is filled and wrought with great challenge that mm. brings great, great difficulty. Yeah. But if we can say, if the trust, you know, if, and I'll just talk about my immediate team, the trust that um, if they fail, we're going we're gonna to keep walking. It's Nelson Mandela's great line, I either win or I learn. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I think... I, I think that's that's got to be the thing. And, and I, the other thing, and I, I'll just, this is, you know, I know that the title of your podcast is about clarity. I also know in that environment, clarity is kindness. <laughs> and, and so if I can say, look, I know you don't like this and I cannot necessarily change it, but let me, let's, let's move toward clarity. What were we trying to do? do we were trying to reach people far from god we were trying to create a discipling culture we are trying so we had to you know some things had to come down you know some some sacred cows had to fall some people had to be you know misunderstanding what we did but the clarity is why did we do this Hmm. and we would do it again so clarity and i and i'll just throw one other piece because i i think clarity is such an important piece is the second thing is clarity comes in community so that trusted environment is you know and i always say the smartest person in the room is the team you know if 
in that trusted environment, clarity comes in community. Like, I, you know, I was in a really tough situation, true story, 24 hours ago. And as I pulled together a couple of key friends and leaders, clarity emerged in community. The friend of mine says, I learned a lot of things all by myself, and none of them are true. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And that's uh, that is the reality, the narratives we can tell ourselves. Nick, it has been an honor and pleasure to, to spend time with you. Uh, will you pray for us that God will use um, this conversation? Um, yeah, to encourage those that are listening in, maybe to challenge those that are listening in. Um, yeah, for his glory. Will you pray for us? I would be grateful to do that. Aaron. Father, I thank you for the power of your spirit and the power of the work of God, that even if this podcast is listened to years from now, you can still utilize the moment. So I pray, I pray for those who maybe are clear in their call and then hit a tough assignment and now question their call. May you draw them back to yourself. May you remind them of those moments that were so critical in shaping their heart and their dream and their vision. Be strength to them. And I pray those in leadership capacities that are just so frustrated with some team members, that they would look and and whatever tool or help or counsel to find out, is there something here that if we worked a little bit longer, we could develop, we could develop instead of disqualify. And God, I pray for, I pray for the moments that are just as leaders, as missionaries, church planners, disciplers, pastors, that they would recognize by their role, they can speak a word into someone's life that can change their trajectory of their life. Remind us, God, that as reckless as it is, you work through us. You could skip over us at any moment and be way more effective, but you choose to work through us, our minds, our hands, our energy. And I pray that you'll use that as an encouragement and a reminder to men and women listening to this podcast. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.